How do and welcome to our 10th featured installments of Loose Lips and that sounds absolutely bonkers saying that we're actually at our 10th feature so we started probably a couple of weeks into the lockdown looking to connect with different people all over the world from different walks of life looking to get them to share their life stories to lift optimism and to inspire people who get to watch them and come into contact with the actual conversations since then it's just gone from strength to strength to strength and uh, i'm looking forward to today's featured set of guests as well for you so we're going to be speaking with toyin who's in the group he's a dj producer and also a brand creative who is currently based out in qatar so once he sends me the request we'll be able to link up let technology do its thing and we'll have a catch up with him also when anyone's ever in a group if they ever want to share any questions or any points we can fit them in I'm always up for doing that as well. Yes, brother, how are you? Good afternoon, good afternoon. What time is it over there? Uh, I'm two hours ahead, so it's five o'clock over here. That's all right. Last week I had a call with a mate in a... Um... Uh, just on the outskirts of Sydney. So I, I don't know, I just keep getting the time zones all wrong. I thought it was going to be 7am, which we said was cool. It was cool with that. It ended up being 4am. I was like, no yeah. way, like, got him out of bed at 4am. I was like, nah, so at least you're ahead. You're like, it's nah, time over there and everything. Yeah, sun, it's just approaching golden hour night. The sun sets in Doha around about half six. So in about the next hour, you start to see the sun setting, obviously, yeah. But it's all good, good times. Um, just yeah, crazy at the moment, as as you're fully aware. So as everyone's aware, yeah. What's it like over there? How's it? How's is there a lockdown in place? Uh, yeah, how's it affecting life over there? Well, yeah, I think we were slightly ahead of the UK in terms of obviously what the government was rolling out. So obviously the airports closed now for normal travel. Um, everyone's on a lockdown to a degree, but it's not really a lockdown. You're allowed to go out, you know, but you're not allowed to meet in groups and you're not allowed to have people around. So it is a lockdown in, in a sense. Um, but no, it's, um, th there's a few things that have happened here where, the, you know, there's not been no panic. There's not been no, like in England, looking from afar, a, a it was like the shelves are empty. People were not listening to instructions and then some people were and then there was panic over toilet roll and all that sort of stuff. So that was a bit crazy to watch from afar. Um, yeah. Obviously coming from Yorkshire and born and bred in Huddersfield and being over here and looking from the outside, looking in, it's always crazy to look at, look at the UK. But, um, but no, he has been quite calm. Um, everyone's kind of respecting what's happening, taking on board what's actually happening. When you live in Doha as an expat, you kind of live in a bubble anyway, you know, you, you're not exposed to the media like you are in the UK. You're not watching adverts 24-7 and stuff like that. So you kind of live in your own bubble. You go to work, you do your thing, and then you come back and you, you kind of relax. So it's only from speaking to the people in the UK where you realise, like, what's that? when I speak to my mum and my family, they're like, oh, yeah, this has happened. This has happened. But for me, myself, I'm working remotely from home. Um, obviously, I've got a brand, Vinyl Vandals. Um, I've always lived a double life um, in terms of I have a corporate job um, and then I have the, my passion and hobby, which is something I've been doing since 2002, which is obviously... Black and Superman. Yeah. So um, obviously for my daytime stuff, I'm working remotely, um, working from like eight till three, four o'clock, and then I can switch off and do my thing and that's where I try and focus on the brand and 
obviously things that we're doing out here. How long have you been out there for? And was that something which struck you straight away was the fact that the bubble actually comes through and, you know, you're not affected as much by the media out there. Was that something that was apparent as soon as you hit out there? Yeah, well, basically a couple of my close friends. So in a nutshell, the reason why I'm out here is because obviously I was living in Manchester. I spent 12 years in Manchester at UNAIR and then worked and bought a house and all that sort of stuff. And... Um, my friends had moved out to Qatar like back in 2006, 2005, 2006. So I'm a close friend, one of my best friends, um, he's been here. So I've obviously from afar seen what it's about, but obviously when he moved here, I was like, where the hell's Qatar? Yeah. What, what's going on? You know what I mean? Never knew where it was. And then back in, I've been, I've been here six years now. So wow. about seven years ago, I came to visit for the first time. I had some ups and downs at home. I thought, you know what, let me go and just check it out and have a break. And I came in, it was beautiful. Um, and the maddest story is, like, um, I took a picture in an area called The Pearl, which is where I live now. Um, I took a picture and had it as my screensaver on my laptop. Yes. And four years later, that picture is where my apartment was. But I didn't know I was ever going to be moving there. So when I went back home, I was printing my clothes and I like, looked at my screensaver. I was like, no way, this is actually where I've lived. So... I don't know, some people believe in the law of attraction and all that type of thing. 100%? Was, yeah, I had like proper gooses on my arm. Like, <laughs> but yeah, I've been here six years. Um, it's been a really good experience. Obviously, you know my wife, Alex. Um, and I remember first moving out here and she was like, I'd never moved to the Middle East and blah, 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 blah. But she kept on visiting. And in the end, I was like, I'm going to come home after three years because I didn't know what to expect. But my job went really well. I got, got promoted. Um, and then from a music side, I came here to switch off from DJing. I've been DJing like every weekend for like since 2005. So when I came here, it was like, right, I don't have to DJ, I have to, don't have to worry about bombing to Manchester, bombing to Preston, playing in Leeds, playing in Huddersfield, odd trips to Birmingham and London where I was DJing quite frequently. And um, I came here to switch off. But on my first night out, I, I, I went to a club that played house. I was like, where's house music? Asking everyone. <laughs> went to this club and this guy was playing a really good set so I just gave him my card and then he's messaged me like two days later look I do these boat parties these private boat parties where you come and play and I was like I wasn't really trying to get into that sort of lifestyle straight away but I'm glad I did because he did a boat party every month and that was me meeting a hundred different people every month so mm. people I just put me on the map straight away so straight away I had my work community which is kind of when you move to a country away from home, you kind of, you stick to your work friends and your colleagues yeah. pretty much because you might not know anyone else. But straight away I had my work colleagues and then I had my sort of social colleagues from music who I knew loved house music so I know there was all automatically a common interest. Yeah. And then like I said, my sort of name itself built from there and people obviously saw the skill set of a DJ and then they looked at my brand and then they were like, this guy's not playing. What's he doing here? Not even like talking like he didn't want to DJ and stuff like, that's what people were saying. So. Yeah, it's been a crazy experience. When my, when my obviously Alex came out, that just kind of completed me um, because it was nice to have her here. And then, yeah, we've just grown from there, really. It's been really good. That's insane. So you actually went out with the intention of not stepping away from it, but almost putting it on, on the shelf, making it a bit dormant for the time being. And then it seems yeah. to find you. And then, because the way that, to accelerate where we are current day, one of the craziest things I saw you play is that you, you played for it PSG. When, yeah, when... so basically... Yeah, so so the, fact that it's come, the fact that it's come so full circle to like the opportunities that you're getting out there 
It's nuts to see that you didn't go out with that intention yet again. It's found you. It does seem like you're proper manifesting the magic. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like, like the, the whole PSG thing, that was, that was kind of random because it was through the company that I work for, Evolution Sports. It's a sports academy. So I'm like the business and marketing manager for a sports academy out here, the largest one, the private one. And um, basically, there's a PSG soccer academy out here as well. So the owner of that academy obviously knew myself because we used to speak about marketing and stuff like that. And they did holiday camps. And, anyway, but he just messaged me out of the blue and was like, look, we need a DJ for the stadium to, uh, are you up for it? So I was just like, I've never DJed in a stadium before, but yeah, I'm definitely down. And it was such a crazy experience. Um, you don't realise the acoustics in a stadium and how mm. different it is from playing in a club. So you play a track and it's echoing down there like two minutes later. Like it was like, I'm like, is this right? But <laughs> really good experience. I really enjoyed it. Unfortunately, with all the sort of security stuff, I never got to meet any of the players and stuff like that. But the actual visibility and like I said, for me, it's, you be you kind of you come to come to the Middle East, you come to Qatar, and you can be like an expat. You don't really mix with the locals. Not that they don't want to. Everyone's friendly and the beautiful people out here. But you kind of stick in your own little circles. So it was nice. To, any, any opportunity I can put myself in front of an Arabic audience or a, di a more diverse audience, I'm always up for that. So um, this was a great way just to be able to play the jingle, vinyl vandals, play my music. People actually really enjoying themselves. Not, my test was I'm going to play in a stadium, which is, I'm in an Arabic country. They're coming to watch PhD play football. I play Afro house. I'm not going to play no hip hop. Or yeah. play soulful house, vocal house all forms of house music. I'm, I'm not going to come here and play R&B and hip hop, which is what you kind of attach with potentially a football team or, mm. you know, football stars and stuff. So I just thought, I'm just going to stay true to my guns, me. And like people actually, I just, I was looking around, seeing people bopping and moving and it was just like, it was nice. So yeah, it was, that was, that was a really cool experience. And um, I think you, you, you touched on it there. It's like, you come to a country like this, and I've seen a lot of people do it. They come here and they completely reinvent themselves. Like when you live in England, like if you, if you live in the same town or city all your life and you don't move away to go to university or you don't travel away or anything like that, you, your reputation follows you whatever you do, whether it's good yeah. or bad. So there's very, you couldn't just be like, I'm 30 years old now. I want to be um, a financial advisor. Well, everyone knows you're crap at maths. It's not going to yeah. happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like... Um, but here you come here and like, like I said, I didn't really want to be like that DJ like I was in Huddersfield where I was really popular or in Manchester. And, and like I say, I used to get bookings in Leeds through Jason Bakira, Weston, a few other people like. So it was, it was always nice to have that sort of be popular and like be wanted as a DJ. I came here like thinking, I just want to break from it now. Let me just focus on my work and do it for myself. Because I've been doing podcasts for like six years, every month consistently. So I knew I was always going to be doing mixes at home and still getting the music and doing what I love, but I didn't want it to be something where it was like, right, this weekend you're playing here, this yeah. weekend you're playing there. But like I said, it, 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 it finds you and it's, I'm blessed for that because for me, like, like I said, when I think about how my mindset was then, obviously it was more exhaustion than falling out of love of music. Yeah, which is a good um, uh, detraction to make from the two. Mm. So yeah, that was, that was a re really cool to be able to get back into it straight away. And like I said, the Pete, the guy who I mentioned who got me on his boat pies, I ended up being like a 3-0. There's a, a guy called Sean and a, another guy called Drew, top lads, one guy from Ireland, one guy from uh, up, uh, up Teesside, Newcastle way, Ashton. Um, and we just got on like a house on fire, strictly through music. So um, yeah, 
ended up doing boater parties with them every month. And then it's mad, yeah, because I'll, I'll go through this because my brand's called Vinyl Vandal. So I've come from being a vinyl VJ, going to record shops, doing the full thing. Like I said, I'm 38 this year. So I've been around the block. Um, and when I came out here, I didn't want to bring, obviously, my turntables and stuff with me on my vinyl. So I, used, I just brought my controller because I thought, at least I can do my podcasts and do my mixes and it's calm. Um, and when I was killing it on these boat parties, people were like, yo, who's this kid? Like, because then I started getting bookings and stuff. Like, they're calling me a kid. I'm like, I'm older than you. Do you know what I mean? But um, they were like, who's this guy? Who's this guy? And then, obviously, the DJs that were already here were more like, oh, yeah, he's only good on controller. He's probably using sync button, da 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 so I was like, that, that's not cool. So obviously, like, when people actually realised and they saw the depth of the brand and they, they realised I've been carrying vinyl boxes for years and doing my thing for a long period of time, Earning obviously that change. And I never really, I don't have any enemies with anyone. Do you know what I mean? I'm a happy go lad. So like, obviously, once people got to know me as sportsmen, they'd realised how passionate I was about my style of music. It was like, yeah, this, this guy's all right. We rate him. Actually, he's probably one of the best. And... That sort of was rolling off the tongue of a few people. I know I'm not the best. I'm just up there. Do you know what I mean? Like, if people want to say that, that's cool. But, um, yeah, there's some really, really cool creative people out here and um, some really good DJs. Um, and it's been nice to be able to be a part of that circle of DJs. Some of them have been here all the time. I've been here and still here today. Some of them have come and gone. Um, but what's it like with, when people are new coming into the to the island, uh, sorry, not island, into the, I don't even know what to call it, into the country, country. Into the, we'll just yeah. say the country, but like, is it, um, is it quite standoffish how you felt certain situations could have been, or is it really welcoming and if someone's on no, board, you, you know, you're welcoming really, the group? Yeah, really welcoming. I think the, the point I was mentioning there about, you know, people questioning whether I was a sick DJ or not, because they just see me on one apparatus or one piece of equipment um that was just because they just realized that this guy's levels so yeah you better step it up um so but no it, every, it's so welcoming one thing i say people always say like when they're like oh how's it going in dubai and i'm like i live in doha like everyone always they've said it to me six years i've been here that every time what's it saying in dubai is it good yeah and i'm like no nah, it's doha like it's just across the way about an hour flight and um Dubai is very fast paced and very like London. I always compare mm. Dubai and Doha to like going to London or going to Leeds. Leeds is very oh, really? you used to, Yeah, if you go to Leeds and you go to like, like back in the day, if you went to Stinkies or something like that, yeah, yeah. there was a community. So everyone knew. And if you did know someone, oh, that's my mate from Ray. And you got introduced. And then it was like, if you got raving with them for a couple of weeks, that, that could be your best mate for life. You just don't yeah, know. Yeah. And Doha is very much like that. It's very community. It's like, Everyone knows everything, so it's a bit like what I was trying to get away from when I left Huddersfield, where <laughs> people talk your business. So it is a bit like that to a degree because expat community is—it's a big expat community, but it's also very tight knit and very family oriented. So if you're coming out here with a, a young family, it's perfect because you can meet lots of other families and you, you meet parents and stuff from the schools and stuff like that. But if you're coming out here single and independent, you can actually attach yourself to a crowd and you can be welcomed in. However. If you can imagine me coming out here um, as a black man, obviously you, you, you miss, you, you've, I've got loads of black friends from home, so I'm, I used to miss that that I had at home. And again, like tapped into a, a really strong community here um, of strong positive friends that I've had since I've been here and it's been amazing. So I think no matter where you're from, whether you're South African, whether you're from 
whether you're from Europe, whether you're from Portugal, whether you're from France, whether you're from Switzerland, England, Ireland, there's a big Irish community out here. You'll, you'll, you'll find your people and you'll, you'll probably gravitate to them without, you, without you even realizing. I think when you're from England, you feel like everyone's English. So you feel like everyone will know who you are or where you're from. But here, there's definitely different communities as well and they all cross over. So it's a, yeah, it's a really nice feeling. It's really welcoming. If you've never ever heard of Qatar before, or I know the World Cup's going to be coming in, mm. actually, people have heard about it, and there's been positive and negative press regarding that. But I think if you've never been to Qatar before, it's a beautiful place to come. It's not going to be somewhere where you're going to go and party for six, seven days straight like a Dubai, but you can definitely catch a vibe. You can meet some really cool people. And generally, before the um, before the blockade, which there's been a blockade between Qatar and and um, the, the other countries in the region. Yeah, um, there was DJs flying in out left, right, and centre. The biggest DJs that were going to Dubai would come here on the way home. So we always got a taste of the big DJs coming to town, like Black Coffee and people like that. Local dice, all the big DJs would come here. So it's definitely a destination. And if you're planning to come here for the World Cup and stuff like that, you've just got to remember, like, try not to believe everything you hear in the media because it's not all true. Um, there is some really cool people here. There's some really good things to do. Yes, it's a Muslim country, so drinking is restricted, but you can still have a drink in a bar. You can still go to hotels and have alcohol and stuff. So you don't ever think, oh, I've got to go there and it's going to be a dry week if I go on holiday. No, you can go to brunches. Brunch culture is huge. Um, so a lot of the time, me and my mates, or if it's someone's birthday, we're celebrating birthdays, we'll go to a brunch and, you, you know, drink the bar dry and then you go from there. So it's really, it's really good. I definitely recommend people coming or Googling it and just seeing what, it's actually here because I think a lot of people would be surprised. And all the people I know that have visited me, they're just like, oh, can I come? When can I come back? You've got, you got two bedrooms. Can I'm I come selling to me. I'm, I wanna, as soon as lockdown comes, I'm there. <laughs> just me. It's, like I said, I, I got the opportunity through um, two very close friends of mine that lived here um, that were like, they were itching to get me out here because of my skill set in marketing. I've got a marketing degree, so that's, my, that's how I've educated myself that way. But they were itching to get me out here. But when I came and I saw how they were living, I was like, one thing I'll say, right, is you come here, you lived in the UK for a long time, you're paying your council tax, you're paying your bills. You know, when you was a kid, letter would go through the door and you'd, you'd be birthday card, you'd be buzzing. But as you get older, it's just bills, bills, bills. So here's, it's not that type of culture. You're not bombarded with media. You're not getting bills through your door every two minutes. Yes, you do have bills, but it's not, it's, a, it's electronic. So you don't have that letterbox thing. And I think your whole mindset completely changes to like a different way of life. And I, always, I, said, I said it to my mum the other day, I said, if I went back to England, I think I'd really struggle to get back into the work culture and the sort of culture of media and everything else. Because when I go back to England for a couple of weeks, I'm, I'm definitely ready to come back here. And it's crazy to think that because I love home, but I love mm. going home as a, to visit rather than to be there as a permanent fixture. But obviously one day that will be the case. You raised some really quality points there. The first one is it's a beautiful blessing that the actual company you work for, the directors on board with like your DJ inside as well to involve that. So you get to actually the opportunity of the, of the yeah. PSG. That's just like something that's beyond bucket list. That's crazy and something that I'm sure when the World Cup does come out, more opportunities will be aligning themselves with you as well. And I, yeah, I want to focus awesome. on the World Cup, but probably a bit later on. But coming back yeah. to what you just said there then, because one of the things that I'm asking a lot of people, especially over here, 
is is this pause or is it reset but it feels like out there is automatically reset everything that you're saying from not just the way that you involve yourself into the society how you know the the not even the nightlife but the culture the way that the the lifestyle the lifestyle just seems completely night and day so i was in it feels like it's more about uh rather than the hustle and bustle it feels like it's more just about the enjoyment of it not to say we don't enjoy it over here but it just feels a lot more accommodating to that way and a lot more opening for people to align themselves with different pockets of society as i say out there no matter what because i suppose if you're an expat you're all in the same boat i, I essentially you're all going out to start again so it's amazing to hear so do you think it is that then do you think it is a complete reset where you get to go out there and and maybe channel into who not who you are because it's not to say that's not who you are over here but discovering new things and excelling at them around there out there yeah i definitely i definitely think so i think there's um like i said you you can, like i said you can come here and if you want you can reinvent yourself or you can you can tap into new challenges and new things obviously there's there's big challenges here like you, you're living in a different culture so you must respect the culture you know this it's a different way of life but i do think like Imagine, you know what it's like up north. I'm, I lived in Manchester for 12 years. It probably rains four times a week. Yeah, Grey skies, over the Pennines, it's sunny, come back, it's raining, that type of thing. True. The one thing here massively is like the weather. Obviously, it's about 34, 35 degrees now, and it's going to get hotter as the summer approaches. The weather makes a massive difference on your mindset. So if, your mind's, if you're in a, a good mindset and a good place, you're definitely going to try and excel if you're willing to learn and educate yourself. I mean, like I said, my, I'm, I'm very lucky that I've got a, a good job and I've got the opportunity to do these things, like you've said, on, this, on the side. Um, but again, it, it's not that there isn't a hustle and bustle. It's people work hard. People do work hard. And you ask my missus, she'll tell you, like, I'm glued to this computer. I'm always working, whether it's my, my corporate job, my real job, or whether it's things I'm doing to make things better for the people, for me or the people I'm working with and the people around me. And um, I don't think the hustle stops. I just think, I think what happens is you're less distracted by certain things that you could come across in the UK. Um, for, in my personal opinion, you know, everyone's got families, everyone's got friends. And like here, you, if you come here, you'll find out who your real friends are. Do you know what I mean? People that are keeping contact with you, stuff like that. So there's tons of things, but again, also you'll find out that people do actually want to work with you. Like the amount of people that are like, oh, I really want to get out to Qatar. Can you put me in this, can you put me in this direction, that direction? So there's tons of different things where it depends on your frequency, I believe personally. If your frequency is good and you've got good vibration and good vibes, then, you know, you'll fly. Um, and this is definitely a country where you can fly. If you're willing to get your head down, knuckle down, be open to people as well. Um, I think that's important. And I think another huge thing as well, being out here, which is a, a really big thing for me, is like just a sense of security. Like this is a country where you could go to a mall, you could plug your iPhone in, in, a, in, in the wall, walk off for two hours and come back and it's still be there. For like, real? Yeah, people leave the cars running all sorts of stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just so safe and secure. And I think that's one of the things what, when I, when I go back to England, I'm like straight into street mode. Like when I was a yeah, kid, yeah. Like, Okay, took everything in, like, yeah. you know, is my bag zipped up? Don't leave my bag yeah. on my seat in the car. Stuff. You have to switch into that mode because, like, you can become very complacent here. And I think I get the opportunity to go back to England about six weeks a year. 
So that grounds me so much to when I come back, it makes me want to try even harder because, not because I don't want to go home, but it's because I'm like, that's where I'm from. That's, that's, where, that's how I've grown up and become who I am today. I'm going to make the best of my opportunity here because I don't have to worry about security. I don't have to worry about certain financial situations that I would have been in in the past. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 really, it's, really, it's really a good way of life and I'm really glad that I made the decision to come here. So, you know, let's talk about your side brands then. They, were they started in the UK and when you took them out to Qatar, is Qatar like, sometimes when I speak with people, say for example, in Australia, they say the bar scene's a bit behind what it is in the UK. Uh, so is it quite like that in Qatar? So are you essentially ahead of the curve by what you're bringing out? Uh, I think if, if you can be ahead of the curve without the people being there to really enjoy it, that's the difference. So for instance, let me give you an example, yeah? When I've been booked to DJ in Dubai, and I've DJed for a wicked night called House of Africa, shout out to Shout Shaka, who brought me out there. He's brought the biggest Afro house DJs to Dubai. And he, he came over to Doha and he's like, look, I definitely want to bring you over. And he brought me over. And what I realized is when I played for his night, House of Africa, is that everyone knows, understands the music and fucking loves it. Do you know what I mean? Um, there's a really big community. I think here, the community is very small and you don't have as many like free spirits there. So for instance, it's, it's a lot more family oriented here. So there is people that want to rave to house music, but they might have two kids. So they might only be able to do that once every two months. So it's a very small knitted community. So yes, in terms of being from a musical point of view and playing the latest music and having the latest vibes and coming up with really creative ideas like back to back sets and trying to bring big DJs out. Yeah, it's, it's good, but I personally feel like when I'm playing in England, the vibes miles better because I don't think there's enough people here to educate. And also you've got to remember that the local people, probably the, the Qataris and the people that have come from not England and not Europe don't, might not know house music as much. They might know more of what they've seen on American TV because they watch maybe a lot more American shows and stuff like that. So they might be more hip hop oriented or urban oriented. So there's a lot more demand for that than there is for house music. But saying that, there's a lot of people who we've converted along the way that come onto the boats and really understand it. And I think it then that then comes to this is what I've this is what I've gained from media. It comes down to then not people coming for a particular genre of music, but people are coming to catch the vibe of the right people. So yeah. if you build up that audience, it's like I said, if you go to any night that's going well, it started with a small nucleus of people, and then all of a sudden everyone else jumps on it and then it's the next big thing. And I think it's the same when we do our boat, like obviously the guys who are doing the boat party with, I mentioned earlier, they both moved to Dubai um, they work in uh, construction. Um, and then the kind of mantle was there left for someone to kind of do boat parties. And I was like, I don't really want to do that. But you feel like there's a responsibility if you want this scene to keep growing. So we started doing our boat parties. Um, one, uh, we've got a night called Noir. Um, two DJs I work very closely with, um, my boys, um, Gambit and Fink. Um, we do a night called Noir, but Noir started as um, a night where it was just me and my mate and we just put a night on, which is a UK garage night. So it was just UK flavours, yeah. And then all the expats came and they were absolutely buzzing off it. And we were like, wow, that worked. Like, obviously I'm a, I've grown up on garage, UK yeah. garage and house. My dad was a, in a sound system back in the day, very legendary sound system. Um, and like, I've always had music around me, but I grew up on garage. And when my dad 
he had a shop in the corn exchange called Techno Art back in the day, way back in the day. And he moved to London. And he, I remember when he left his reggae sound, he, he said, like, to the crew that he was with, he kind of built up this sound, him and two other DJs. Um, he said, look, I'm, I'm not playing reggae anymore. It's not moving with the people. I'm going to play house music. I found, I've been up to Yarm, I've been here and there, been to London, house music's sick. That's the direction I'm going in. And them guys in the reggae sound thought he was actually crazy. But he went to um, play house music and everything else. And I remember him always saying to me back in the day, like, garage is good, but house music will never die. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it was like, that was, that always was, that resonated with me so much as I've, as I've got older and as, as I've developed into a DJ that's gone from growing up buying garage vinyl to then listening to all my dad's old tapes and then buying all the tracks that he used to play and then identifying my own style, which is very soulful vocal house music. Um, and like, like I said, bumping into people along the way that make that journey so much more better. Do you know what I mean? So um, it's a bit crazy. I think I've kind of gone off topic, but... Um, no, nah, I love you, it. That's, kind of what, the, loose, loose. That's what it is. That's what we do. We just <laughs> chat and we get stuck in, so we go wherever. But no, uh, so you feel that there is... The, we've, we've established there's a scene for it, but they are, they are up, to, up to date with the times, with the music oh, yeah, out there, the music scene. Yeah, and I think I've, I've gone back to the point, but we did the boat parties noir and people come to the boats but we just do it like private invites only um because there was a lot of trouble with some boat parties where the police were like locking them up basically um so we just made it invite only friends that we knew and then a couple of others where the boat parties back in the day it was like whoever got a ticket first anyone could be on that boat where we controlled it a lot more we made it more about of a community thing and we try and do it like once a month now and it's just it's just like i said it's about the scene and people always like that boat was the best Anytime we post any videos, it's like that vibe is what we want. And the idea of Noir and the collective was to try and get what we did in a club and then we brought to a boat to take it to a, like a, a super club if we could out here. Because the club scene, the actual venues and everything are unbelievable. Like, that's one thing I've not said here. Like, to be a DJ in, 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 in Qatar compared to DJing in England, it's like I've gone from like DJing a working men's club to like Pasha. I'm not saying I ever DJ in working man's no, but the, the leads and stuff like that, the levels are just different. So um, that's been um, that's been very, very like I've been very privileged to play in some of these clubs. And the the venue we, we tried with a lot of venues and the the management just wasn't like they do one and we'd ram it, but they were like either the money wasn't right or there were just details where we, we valued ourselves more and we teamed up with a really cool um, crew at a club called Oxygen. Amazing club, amazing staff, um, amazing owners. And literally they were like, look, we'll, we'll start you on this and we'll see how it goes. And then literally through our community, we've like packed out the night and like now it's probably one of the most popular monthly UK music influence nights in Qatar for sure. Like we play garage, we play funky, we play a bit of bassline, we play all urban music, we play grime, we play a bit of everything. And there's a lot, lots of nights like that in the UK. I know. In Manchester, there was a big night called Merkage and Tonga and, and these, I know well, these nights like that. Dave's gone on to do bits yeah. now, hasn't he? Yeah, and I went to uni with, with Merkage Dave. Serious? Like, listen, there's a picture of me, Merkage Dave, Geica, um, all of us. Geica used to do a night, I don't know if you know Geica, but he's another artist as well that was from the Merkage Collective. Um, and there was um, David Lewis, which is Merkage Dave. Um, all those guys we used to DJ for a night called System Unique on Dean's Get Locks. Right. So we was all at Manchester Unit at the same time. So like, I've got a picture of us all together, like, and it's like, rah, that 
the talent in that photograph, they've all gone on to do like blown and like obviously from a from a corporate world, I know that I'm in a different realm to them. But from a music world, I'm like, right, them man really did go off and do their thing. But I can tell you, their journeys haven't been easy. Like I remember Murky's day being like a singer and everyone like not really feeling his singing. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like he really had to build his brand and he did that by having a night called Murkage and taking it everywhere and then touring and then, like I said, linking up with the right people and blown. But yeah, I went to uni with them guys. So I could show you a picture and you'd be like, as if you was with all them lot. But yeah, Geica used to book us to play. And um, yeah, it was just, it was a, a really, really, me going to university in Manchester was the, the probably one of the, probably the second best thing I did to, or probably the best thing I did. And then coming to Qatar was probably the second best thing because I needed to get out of Huddersfield. I was bored of it. Um, I didn't want to, I was, I was fed up with people just chatting people's business. And I was like, just beyond that. I just thought, I love the place. I love it to bits. I love everyone there, but I needed a new challenge. And my way of getting out of Huddersfield was to get to university. So by hook or by crook, I got in. And I went to the only place that none of my friends were, which was Manchester. And they had the perfect course for me as well. So I was like thinking, I don't know Manchester. Oh, my mum my and dad like, you've got to be careful in Manchester. It's, they call it Gunchester and this and that, <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, I just remember like thinking, yeah. And I went to Manchester and I met up with a ton of popular, cool people. I can see G2's in here as well. He's another big DJ out of Manchester and he's absolutely a legend in the game in Manchester. But it's crazy. I'll, t I'll, I'll jump into that quickly because I think it's quite important about my journey because when I moved to Manchester, went to uni, I met up with like, like the likes of Murky's Dave, Ping Pong and Works with Traps guys, like one of the managers at Traps are like loads of people that I came into contact with. Obviously at the time, Manchester United and Manchester City were like two of the biggest clubs as well. They still have very big clubs, obviously, but all the footballers were in the clubs and stuff. So you just got to meet and mingle with like the maddest amount of people. And I think um, it was just, just a really, really good time for to broaden my horizon on music, going to the clubs, clubs like Sankey Soaps and, and all them types of things. It was, it was an amazing. And um, I just think Manchester is probably... I don't know how it's not blown up more than it, it has done um, because of the amount of talent that comes. I mean, you, you're seeing the talent come out now, but being in Manchester was amazing. What happened is, finished university, I went to work for a company called Enterprise Rent-A-Car as an account manager, graduate trainee course, and then I got headhunted by Mercedes. So I went to work for Mercedes-Benz and then I got into that corporate life wearing the, the suit, having access to driving Mercedes-Benz. I met a lot of the footballers that I would see in the clubs at Mercedes-Benz. And they were like, oh, T, how are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. And I could give my mix CDs to them and everything else. And in this time, this is when I started my clothing line. So I literally bought a machine press and I'm printing all the clothes and everything else. And I, I, I can come to that in a bit. But being at Mercedes, I realised that I was working with a lot of people that they drove the SLKs, the C classes, the E classes, and they were just tied by the, they were by the, by the balls by this job. And I bought a smart car because I wanted to have my branding over it. And everyone's like, why are, you, why are you driving a smart car? This was before smart cars were like way back. I smart car, vinyl vandals on the back of it, everything. Yeah. And people are like, why are you driving a smart car when you work for Merck? And I goes, you know what? Because if I ever lose my job, yeah, I can walk away with this smart car and I can still afford it, but you can't walk away with that car. Do you know what I mean? And that was yeah, my man. mindset. And, and after a bit, um, and this is not to down top Mercedes because it was an amazing company, company to work for. And a lot of amazing people were there. But 
I got approached by Leeds University to do like a presentation about my brand, Vinyl Vandals, in, in comparison to Mercedes-Benz. And the difference is, is Mercedes-Benz, they never had to spend any money on advertising because they're such a renowned brand. They do now because Audis and BMWs have caught with them from a marketing point of view. But back in the day, they just bought a car out and people were like, that's a luxury brand, I'm buying it. And my lecturer from uni was like, I want you to come and present at Leeds. So I did that. I told Mercedes-Benz, like, obviously I'm like, oh my gosh, look Mercedes, I've been asked by Leeds University to a presentation, blah, blah, blah. My, my, manager, my, my manager was really close to me, like, this is unbelievable. I've never heard anyone being asked this at Mercedes. Well done to you. And then I remember the, the director of Mercedes-Benz was like, yes, that's brilliant. I'm going to send you some information so you've got some stuff to use. And then after that, I never got anything from Mercedes-Benz. No one said anything to me. I didn't get no information, nothing. And at that point, I did my presentation. Without, I did my own research, did the presentation. It was a huge success. And at that point, I thought to myself, you know what? I've got no place in this company. I'm not ever going to be the top boy. I don't know whether it's to do with me, my person, my complexion, whatever, I don't know. But I just realised that I was just someone that was there to tick a box and not actually... You weren't being valued. And I know my manager valued me, but I wanted to go beyond him. So if I need to be getting valued beyond that, I need to be getting respected from the people high up. So at that point, I decided to think I'm going to look for another job. And I went to work for a radio station called Unity Radio. I left yeah, Mercedes... Yeah. Everyone was like, why are you leaving? You, you've got, you know, you're driving these big cars. And, and I'm like, because I just need to be in the right direction. And I went to work for Unity Radio. I applied for the job because I realised that I'm in Manchester. I know a lot of people, but I can meet more influential DJs and artists if I'm working at a radio station, which is a community station, which is like the heartbeat of Manchester. And I think we're going to work for Unity Radio for two years and meeting up with stylists. So I bring out to DJ here um, again, Tyler Daly, like Children of Zeus, all these people that were all in the studio and on the radio all the time. I got to meet them people and have a sort of relationship with them. And I think that stead me a long way moving forward because, but that's because I made the jump. I could have been, I could have still been at Mercedes now, drive, in a three-piece suit, driving a Merc, thinking I was all that, but really wouldn't have got me nowhere, wouldn't have got me the connections there. So that's a very important thing. I, that's something I'll say to anyone. Like, I'm not saying for people to leave a good job, but I'm saying like, make sure that you're 100% valued because at that point I did feel valued but now all the people that are still working there are like, your life's so good in Qatar. Like they, they see what my life looks like on Instagram. They don't see me like grafting 12 hours a day or looking after my baby or things like that but they've seen the change and again it comes down to reinventing yourself and being able to keep moving and I think that's a positive message I'd like to put out there to your community about just being able to keep moving. No, that's true. And especially in this time, there's a lot of downtime where I feel people are really considering what their vocation is and if it's worth them stepping into what seems daunting, but it's a lot of time to follow people's heart and passions now. And what's, what's yeah, cool, what you've just said there is the, the sort of, I don't want to call them side hustles because it just shows they're like, you know, your, your vintage vandals or your, your clothing. Or One thing that I've always appreciated from afar about you is your appreciation of the aesthetics like the look of something's really like pure to you. And I think that that's what comes through with the style with a lot of what your brands put across. But like, even, even, no worries, brother. But even on like a side, I'll, I'll, co I'll coin it as a side hustle, even though I'm not playing it down because I know it's as important to you. That yeah, yeah. still was a, a priority to you to help you make that jump. So I wonder, how, how do you find the fine line between the two? Because obviously you've got your job where it's your vacation and you, you, you know, you're all in and you're earning and you're learning all the time and developing with that. 
But then at the same time, you don't want these other things to dwindle and you've just shown there how much they mean to you by the fact that you've got a car where you could brand it. You know, you're always about the brand and meeting those people and you've still got those relationships. So how do you still keep the, the plate spinning on, on both of them? It's very, very difficult. And like I said, when I moved to Qatar, that was because the plate was just spinning too. I was spinning too many plates. I was trying to imagine I've got machinery in my bedroom. I've got a heat press in my bedroom. I'm, people are coming to me every weekend. Can you make me this T-shirt to go with these trainers? Because I, I used to customise every T-shirt. So no one in any town or city would have the same top. So it was completely custom. That's how the brand built and selling tops out the back of my smart car. So... It's, it's been a very hard balance. And the reason I came to Qatar was to try and slow it down and control it because it was just spiraling out of control. And some people say you should just focus fully on Vivi and, you know, forgot everything else. And you might have seen, you might have reaped more rewards from that. And to a point, it's kind of a regret of mine sometimes, I think. But I said, my, I said to myself that when my son was born, who's nine now, I said, if, if he's 18 and he's got a job working for Vinyl Vandals, then I'll be happy. Do you know what I mean? That, that's that's me that. doing my thing. So I've always just had, yeah, I've just had that in the back of my mind. So whether I make a million pounds today from buying the vendors or make it in 10 years time, it's irrelevant. Uh, the, the main thing is just being able to keep chipping away. And I've had to upscale a lot. I've done design diplomas. I'm always obviously on the forefront with the music. You're connecting with people. You're always chancing things by sending an email out to this person. Can you do, help me do this? Um, really I should do that a lot more because a lot I don't realise how much people respect my brand. I know I've got a lot of following and stuff, but sometimes you just in your own sort of tunnel vision and you just like, you know, you just get caught in your moment and you just try and do your thing. Um, but yeah, like the balance can be really difficult. And I think one thing in getting married and having a second child, um, I've had to, you know, my wife will rein me when I need, when I need to be reined in. Yeah, I'm mostly up till two, three o'clock in the morning sometimes and I have to get up early and I'm, I can be tired. But you've got, I've got to remain professional at all points. And I know that my, my friends that brought me out here to work, I work for their company and it's the largest sports academy in Qatar. It's like, they will, they will tell me straight if I'm not pulling my, pulling my weight. And they've never had to do that. You know, they might have to say something's not the best, but I think the good thing about my brand is and, and being in marketing is that I can test everything marketing related on my brand. And if it yeah. works, I can take it to sport. And that's what I've been able to do. And I think, it, I, I'm, I know we've, we're supposed to be talking about me and my brand and everything else, but I think it's really important to speak about the company I work for because it allows me to adapt the marketing tools and the traits that I've picked up over the years and the self-development and be able to apply to music and then take it to sport and try and educate other people on social media. I do social media workshops with staff and stuff like that because I've got that skill set and I can do that. But people don't know me as that. They'll just know me as the DJ or they'll just know me as the guy that used to make t-shirts or drive the smart car, but they wouldn't think, oh, this guy could stand in front of 55 people or 100 people and do a social media workshop. And I think I've got the balance right because I can do marketing stuff for one brand and apply it to many other brands. And that's why I think I'm in the right profession in terms of marketing and branding and communications and stuff. Even though I'm dyslexic and I'm not the best at English and all that sort of stuff, like people are like, really? You? And I'm like, yeah, I get really nervous reading something that I've never read before. Like I'll probably stumble and all that sort of stuff. But I think having that sort of ingrained in me allows me to be creative in other areas, especially in music, especially in design and in fashion as well. So, um, yeah, the balance is, is nuts. It, it is crazy, but I've enjoyed the journey. It's been crazy, though, I must say.
you're in an interesting sort of a dynamic because I'd say this is the, this is well probably the past three four years especially or maybe let's let's use Cristiano Ronaldo as an amazing example. I think there's sports stars now that are becoming their own brands. I mean Roger Federer, you think about him, and there's a lot more people that are cottoning onto it. There's a lot more people where they're thinking what they're going to do after the finished football or after they finish their sport. So. It's quite a, a new market, but it's one that seems that it's got so much potential because you think of the amount of sports stars that they are and who essentially wants to be a brand. So what when you look at someone like, I don't know, I know you're a football man, so let's use James Milner. You're a Liverpool fan, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so James Milner, for ages, was viewed as being a boring person, but he's really played up to that in a way now. He's really funny with it because you know, you know people didn't know him. So how, how do you... How do you engage somebody's personality into their brand? And is it ever hard if, and obviously you don't need to name any names, but if they yeah. haven't got essentially a personality that's comfortable with that world, but still putting them on a platform if they have the popularity that can reach a wider audience? I think, you know what it is? I think the most important thing is, and Jay, you, you've nailed it with the James Milner example, like he looked at himself and thought, what am I? I'm boring. Okay, well, I'll show people how boring I am. And it resonated with a lot of other boring people that I just like to be, in the line, not in the limelight. And I can, it sounds crazy, but I can relate to James Milner a lot in terms of who I am myself, because I'm very much that person. I, you are, I've not done many lives on Instagram because I don't like being in front of the camera. I like being behind the camera. So this for me is like, I had a nervous cup of tea at the start of it because I still get, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I, can, I can resonate with that because some people are just not comfortable. So where they're not comfortable or where they feel like this got to, you've got to find something within them that's true to them that can be a key selling point and then look for the audience that that resonates with. So if, you, if you're boring, there might be a million other boring people out there. So let's tap into them first and then let's see if that spreads. Um, and it generally does. Um, there's, there's tons of brands like, or tons of individuals out there that have you know, come to me and say, oh, I need help with other DJs and stuff. I need help with branding, I need help with this. And I'm like, okay, well, what resonates with you? And I think even if you look at like Kevin Hart as an example, his family is him. So he generally mm. talks a lot about his family, his experience with his family, because most people in the world have got a family, so they can resonate with things that he's talking about. So it's just about tapping into you. Um, for me, as, a, as an individual, in terms of me as a brand, I had, people used to call me Mr. VV. There was no Chino. It was just, I'm Mr. Vinyl Vandals. Get some off Mr. VV. And I had to make a decision to kind of separate Vinyl Vandals and Chino, just in case anything blew up with Vinyl Vandals and they need to, I needed to, I don't know, I don't want to ever do this, but what if I had to sell it? I couldn't sell Mr. BB as a brand. I needed to create a brand for myself. And I just created a brand through the passion of music and the music I like, and that's how I took it. I think anyone that's struggling to tap into, if you know, if you're trying to reinvent yourself and you want to market yourself in a better way, you've really got to dig deep and ask yourself some key fundamental questions about your actual self. I rate what you've done over the last three years. Like Since I've known you, like, You've come, I've gone from knowing you as someone that knows Alex's friends to seeing that I'm like, right, he's a comedian, he's got jokes. <laughs> and I've always, known, and I've always known you've got like a sick sense of style and fashion, you know what I mean? And I can see in the background there, like people influence you and stuff like that. And I always, I, I've always like this saying, like, you can't shame someone that's not be afraid to be shamed. And like, if you're yeah. comfortable within yourself, then it doesn't matter. And I think that's the main thing in marketing. You've got to be comfortable within yourselves. You've got to be able to iron out anything that you're not comfortable with, let it go, 
and then push on. And I think you've, you've been a prime example of being able to do that from looking from the outside, looking in now and doing this is an extension of that, which is like, it's, it's sick. So like when you, when you message me, like saying, look, I'd like to get you on as a guest. It's like, someone needs to do one for you. <laughs> someone <laughs> needs to do <it> you. <laughs> because I, I think, um, like I said, um, I've always known you as a funny character and that. And obviously through meeting through friends of friends and stuff like that, but like, to see you when I bumped into you in Leeds, maybe a couple of Christmases ago, when I saw you with your brother, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, was like Corn Exchange. You know, yeah. that, that's the maddest I've seen in the time from the train station as well. You've been yeah, yeah. back for a couple of weeks and we just like see each other like, yeah. <laughs> so it's, to actually be at this point doing a live um, interview with you is crazy. But like I said, it when it comes down to marketing and branding, like I've seen your new artwork, which is fantastic. Big shout to the designer that did that. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like, shit. And yeah, it's like, you know, it's all for you, it's starting to come together as well. And I really like to see that as well. But I think you've had to take the plunge and be like, right, I'm going live every day. I'm going to interview people I know, my mates. I'm going to do comedy shows and stand up in front of random people that potentially might tell me to get off the stage and stuff like that. It's going into a sense of not being comfortable. And uh, coming back to the corona and looking at how things are, like I've just set up a radio station for Vinyl Vandals now, um, which is like we, me, Gambit, um, DJ Fink, uh, we've just set up weekend shows now where we can still connect with the people that are missing what we've been doing. Um, we, I've done a few lives, we've all done some live streams and it's like speaking on the mic. I've not been a radio presenter before, even though I've worked at a radio station, so I know the good things and bad things to, to, do, to do and not to do. But um, yeah, you put, I'm putting myself out there to be like, that mix was rubbish, which I know never will be because I'm, I'm experienced and everything else. But you, you've got to put yourself out there in, in un uncomfortable situations. And if you can get your head around that, you know, you've just got to tap in then to your audience and make sure that your audience be your tribe and your tribe come along with you along the way. I think that's the key. It's all about your authenticity, but it's also sometimes people don't see what their unique, I don't like unique selling point, but what their unique nature, what their offering is. And if you, from your position as in your professional uh, capacity, someone comes to you and you can engage that and then get them to celebrate that, that just seems like it's a win-win. And sometimes with sports stars, when, even when they have an opinion about something that's social, like Hector Bellerin, for example, He's such a humanitarian, and yet some football yeah. fans are like, you're a footballer, you shouldn't have... No, man, he's a soul, he's uh, a person, you're allowed... So exactly. it must be interesting to sort of get that out of a sports star, because some of them must be so fearing in, oh, well, I don't want them to... to Almost the shame, like you said, the uncertainty of it. Yeah. I think, like I said, it, it depends on how big a star you are, but you'll always have someone in your ear telling you what's right or wrong to do, and there's a lot of strong-minded individuals out there that can just be like, ignore that and channel on. And there's a lot of weak individuals or mentally weak or not mentally strong enough at that particular point in their career where they're advised. And they feel they have to hold back. And I think the more authentic you are, the more marketable you'll always be. And it doesn't matter. Like I, I always have that thing where like, oh, there's other DJs out there doing thousands of views on this and getting millions of likes on that. But I'm like, but, you know what it is? Like, I know the people that like my stuff over the years have been the same people that have been there since 2002. And wow, I've kept to say, like, I, I have a clothing line, which was, I used to just make like 50 t-shirts a year and I'd just 10 of each style. And then once they're gone, they're gone. And if you missed out, sorry, mate, you missed out. Be in the tribe and you won't miss out. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's easy for you to compare yourself to other things. But like I said, mm. if you, 
if you're a person that loves something and you've got a particular audience or you know what, there might be 55 people that, that live in my area that are vegan and I like vegan stuff. So I'm just going to focus on them rather than the other 2000 or 2 million around me. And you just build your tribe small and then your tribe will grow if you're a good person. And if people can sense a positive sense in you, then for sure. Like if I didn't like you, Brownie, then I would, would have been like, nah, mate, I'm not doing this, this show. But like I said, I've never had any reason not to be like, yeah, you, you, you've definitely been out there, but in a very fun way. And like, if anyone ever said anything about you, which they never have, I w I'd always be like, nah, man, Brownie's cool. Do you know what I mean? Because Respect. he's not, do you know what I mean? It's, it's one of them but things that and I think, it comes down to treating people and respect for other people as well. And I think people have to engage in that and know themselves to be able to do that or listen to the friends if they've got good people around them. I think uh, you, you said something earlier, which is about frequencies. And I think from just in life, just that, that vibe, I definitely uh, uh, resonated when you said that. And I think it is about being authentic. And sometimes it is difficult for people, but... I mean, I, I find it natural to just be me because that's all I can be. But I try to instill that in other people as well. But when people come to you and, you know, you have that, it's seen that, you know, not everybody might have that. And then how can you, how can you instill that into them to bring the best out of them? So I really was interested in hearing that side of it, you know, because predominantly the, the sport marketing as a, as, a, as a star or as a sports star have been a brand. I just see that as a new way of, thinking for the sports star so i was interested in her in that dynamic as well but we've only got a couple of minutes left but i really want to see and i think this would really like tie off nicely with the world cup with yourself with your brand and where you're at with everything how how are you gonna uh push on and benefit with the brand because it's the world's going to be looking at qatar so are you in a position for when the world ascends on qatar for your stock with your own brand to push to a level which is unassailable? I think it's a difficult one because it's, um, it's a, I think, yeah, I, in my mindset, on my vision board and how I want to deal with things, yeah, I'm definitely all about that. And I think by creating a radio station here in Doha, which is Van Vandal's radio, um, creating a radio station, trying to get engaged with the Arabic audience as well as the local expat, the expats that are here, local people as well, and other people within the region, I've set up a radio station to be able to reach out to more people and be able to tell more people and drive people in a certain direction to get to my brand. I think having done the PSG thing, having a really successful night in a club in, in Qatar called Noir with the collective and a lot of Qataris and um, other Muslim people coming to these venues and stuff like that. I think, you know, that it's just stepping stones to get there. But I don't put myself under any pressure to be like, I've got to sell this amount of T-shirts or this and that because predominantly I don't sell much here in Qatar unless you actually know me. And I've always wanted to keep it that way because that's how it was when I was selling cars out the back of my smart car. Someone to see my car driving down the street in Leeds or Huddersfield or Manchester, they'd wave me down and they'd be like, have you got anything in the boot? You got anything in the boot? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got this, this. And I think there's a lot of people that reach out to me like on socials and stuff like, oh, I've seen you in that top of you, you got any left? And some of the time because of just logistics, I don't have stock here. I can't even meet the demand sometimes. A lot of times I'm saying no, which sometimes is a good thing and sometimes is a bad thing. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. I've just seen a comment there from uh, Levi Lewis. Who, again, Levi I Lewis, shout out Levi make, every time. He was the one that um, used to hit me up and get some exclusives and that as well. Like I'd make him a special VV top and stuff like that. But that's what it was all about. And I think 
I'd love to be in a position when the World Cup comes where I can actually still customise and make personal items for stuff. I, I always, I said it to my mate laughing the other day, like, before Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff, I was going around with my business cards, giving them to people and getting pictures of them. We used to go to a fashion festival called Bread and Butter, and I used to do stuff like that. Um, you know, I used to customise clothing. It was all bespoke. I just was ahead of my time, and I didn't have the finance at the time to really push it. I think if I was where I am now, then I think I could go, psh, do you know what I mean? But the competition is so fierce, it really has to come down to authenticity. And I think um, on the approach to the World Cup, my main goal is to try and get the brand heard and listened to as much as possible through the music, which has always been my primary thing. And then we'll see what happens from there. But I'm very optimistic. I think there's going to be tons of opportunities. There's been tons of opportunities anyway. And I think the country's really going to put on an amazing spectacle. Mm. I think that's one thing I can guarantee you is that this is probably going to be one of the sickest World Cups ever. Just because the money that they're pumping into it, the stadiums are sick. I'm, I'm, I live like five minutes from stadiums, yeah, and I'm telling you, man, they're unbelievable. And I think if the Liverpool played in the World Club Cup here um, just, before, just before Christmas, and I think if they put on anything like they did for that here for the World Cup, which they're going to absolutely well kill that, then I think it's going to be a massive spectacle. And just so all the people watching this know, yeah, is that, I've only got, I only live in a two-bedroom down, so if you're planning to come and crash on my floor, it's probably going to be a possibility. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a huge spectacle, and I think, like I said, I think the only thing that can happen is good opportunities, they're building hotels, they're building everything, and I think, from a musical point of view, I think everyone just needs to know, if you do come for the World Cup, or you are visiting Qatar, hit me up, and, let, and you can find out exactly where to go, because if I'm not putting the night on, I'll know another talented DJ or artist and I can put you in touch with or we can go raving together. Um, I think that's going to be the most important thing. Well, I definitely want to get out before then, but I'm definitely going to the World Cup. But I think that's where you are, like the, the Venn diagram, the centre of it. I think you can merge over here, over there. You've got the sport angle of it as well, where you'll be coming through. It feels like if you're able to get onto like Sky Sports or the BBC or ITV and maybe do them a mini documentary of where they can, you know, something like that. I just see this as a, a real good platform for you to be able to be seen by a lot of eyes while the world is obviously uh, looking at it. So amazing, yeah. amazing. Sick chat, man. Honestly, yeah, proper. We'll have to do it again vibe. sometime. <laughs> Knew it was going to be, man. Uh, say hello to Alex as well for me. Yeah, we'll do, man. Respect for having us. And uh, just, to, just to do a little plug, if you're interested yeah, in get anything, on Vinyl Vandals, uh, it's vinylvandals.co.uk. And uh, you can follow me on Instagram if, you, if you're on here. I'll follow Vinyl Vandals, uh, Vinyl Vandals, uh, the Vinyl Vandals on Instagram. And the radio station is, you can find it on the website. Just go on vinylvandals.co.uk and you can hit me up uh, and listen to music every weekend from some really cool DJs. Ben Random, thanks for having me. You're a sick guy. Um, and I hope to see you soon in Qatar when all this is, um, this is over. But yeah, stay safe out there, man. And, Keep the social distancing in that. <laughs> Stay safe <laughs> out there as well, man. Peace. Thank you for your time. Right. Take it easy. Cheers, man. Good man. Take care. Blessed. Bye. Big up to Toy in there. Let me see. We're going to be speaking with Sam Airy in around about a minute's time. So if you're new to this, this is Loose Lips. It's a chat show created around sharing and bestowing good vibes. Thanks, Thomas, for your comment there. I'm glad that you enjoyed it.
it was a sick guy speaking with Toyin and I just I know there's more to come from him especially with what's going to be happening in 2022 out there so yeah I'll see you in a few minutes peace and light to you and yours